our next storyteller. He's a first timer. So a big Temenine appreciative, oh, I don't know, wave or whatever uh, for James O'Connell. Two years ago, after I had finished my master's in public policy and human development in the Netherlands, I wanted a break from measurement to explore the aspects of life that can't be measured. As my friends went in search of internships in European cities, I had no urge to do so. I didn't want to do something just because all my peers were doing it. I wanted to learn more about myself away from all the distractions. I wanted to explore community living after years of talking about the importance of community. I decided to volunteer for six months at an ashram intentional community yoga center in rural Denmark. For reasons that will probably seem obvious to most of you, I did not necessarily include the words intentional community or ashram when explicitly, uh, explicitly when explaining where exactly I was going for the next six months to my family. This experience was absolutely transformative. I can honestly say it's one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I learned more about well-being, community, spirituality, and myself and my time on this large piece of rock than I ever had in my previous 25 years. And while, this, when, while I was in the midst of this land-shifting time, I came home for Christmas festivities. I was meditating twice a day, cultivating compassion, following a strict diet, no alcohol, no caffeine. And in other words, for the first time in my life, I was ready for the family Christmas cross-examination. On New Year's Day, we visited my Auntie Claire and Uncle John. On this particular year, their daughter Rosaline was up from Cork with their three children. When my dad and my sister and I entered the room, the atmosphere was jovial and light. But knowing the family dynamics well, I knew my sister and I were due the well-intentioned annual what are we doing with our lives interrogation. As my sister is a few years older than me, she would often receive most of the spotlight. However, this year, she had been quite responsible, on paper at least, while I had started living with hippies in Scandinavia. After an extended news bulletin from the family, it was time for my turn on the hot seat. My cousin Rosaline brought her two youngest and most enthusiastic kids to bed. This was partly because it was approaching their bedtime and partly because I'd imagine she didn't want to be explaining the subtle differences between an intentional community and a cult to her nippers on the three hour drive home to Cork in the morning. Well, Connor, our James, what's he been up to? My auntie asks, looking at my dad and then me. I, I thought I told you, Claire, um, I'm volunteering at a sustainable community in Denmark. A sustainable community? It's not a kibbutz, is it? She asked. No, uh, I believe they're only in Israel, uh, Auntie Claire. Um, my dad nods in clarification. Okay, but it's like a kibbutz, isn't it? Um, I'm not so familiar with Jewish culture, but we are trying to live in a way that is more harmonious with the earth. Silence. My cousin Rosaline perks up. James, this sounds like a bit of a cult. Well, not really, I responded. I was in a playful mood. Oh, God, Connor, is your son in a cult? <laughs> My auntie asked. My dad, who to this day has yet to press me on the specifics of my time in Denmark, kept his eyes firmly on the plate in front of him as he moved his arms and said words which neither confirmed nor denied my auntie's cult queries. Claire, isn't he happy? 
isn't he doing the yoga and he's quite healthy? This was not a sufficient answer from my auntie as her eyes moved towards my direction. I took a breath. I held back the urge from saying, isn't mainstream society a bit of a cult? Are we all following a sort of dogma that we don't necessarily agree with? But instead I said, listen guys, it's a project funded by the European Union Volunteer Service. They check in us every once in a while. I can leave whenever I want. They never ask me for money or for me to stop communicating with my family or friends. In my opinion, it's not a cult. My auntie and her daughter, who had just finished watching the eight-part Netflix documentary, Wild Wild Country, on the Indian mystic Osho and his cult in the US, remained suspicious. My cousin nodded her head in apparent agreement, but her eyes said, that's what people in cults say. There was a silence. I look over my dad, who appears to be heating up. My uncle is sitting in the corner, slightly enjoying the spectacle of it all. My auntie eventually dislocates the four-second silence to interject. So it's a Buddhism thing. Well, to be honest, the philosophy and practices are probably more aligned with Hinduism than Buddhism, but there are plenty of similarities, I said. Oh, God, Connor, Hinduism. My dad coughs in pre-COVID comfort and replicates a similar uncomfortable combination of words and movements to the previous 30 seconds. At this moment, I began to wonder, was it me or my dad receiving the grilling? My cousin, not wanting to learn much about Hinduism, changed the swing a little. So what do you do all day? He's doing gardening, gardening, Rosaline. My uncle chimes in, partially trying to lend a helping hand. Well, I said, I'm actually part of the, I'm actually part of the, uh, not part of the gardening team. So we, we grow our own food, but I'm not really a part of that. So what do you do all day, James? Well, I wake up at 6.45 and start 15 minutes of chanting before meditating. Then we have breakfast, then a morning meeting to discuss what needs to be done. Then after we go about what needs to be done, I'm on the cooking team. So then I prepare for lunch. After lunch, we have some free time. And then before dinner, we chant and meditate again. And, and, and how long do you meditate for? My cousin asked. 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening we're chanting before. Is that it? She asked. I was a little taken back. My cousin, who I can confidently presume has never attempted to meditate, appeared to be insinuating that I wasn't even observing my mind enough to justify ashram life. I took another deep breath. There is no sense of time when you meditate, Rosalie. 30 minutes can feel like a very long time. No sense of time. No sense of time. You should try having three kids. <laughs> That'll teach you something about time. I had no rebuttal. My auntie then placed her cup of tea down. So you're on the cooking thing. Why are you cooking? Well, I said, we follow a sapphic diet, which means that we don't eat meat, fish, caffeine, alcohol, no onions, no garlic, and no mushrooms. My auntie's voice raised an octave or two. No, no onions. She looks at my dad. Sure, Jesus, Connor, what's wrong with onions? <laughs> As if my dad had personally advocated for the outlawing of onions in all Irish households. My dad looks at me to give him a dig out. Well, they believe that onions stimulate the mind and their intention is to live in such a way to limit mind stimulation. Stimulate the mind? Onions? 
my auntie was flabbergasted. I could see her asking herself, but how do they make soup? With my eyes, I assured her, without onions, Auntie Claire, without onions. There was a not so pregnant pause. It seemed that the grilling may indeed be coming to a close. After regaining some composure, my auntie straightened her spine, displayed her beautiful smile and stated, well, James, we are very happy for you. I thanked her. I knew that despite the intense Q&A that she meant it, I was ready to call it a day. My uncle then stood up and informed the room that himself and my dad were going to the pub for a few pints. James, do you want to join us? Uh, though I told you I'm, I'm not really drinking. My uncle looked at me with all seriousness and replied, you'll have a pint though, won't you? Uh, James, thank you very much. Thank you. Very good. It did sound like a cult though. You have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's totally subjective. I mean, onions. <laughs> how, how, what are your feelings on onions now? Well, I can tell you a story, right? I didn't eat onions for about six months. And then I came home and I had a soup made from that exact auntie that was referenced. And I had, it was, she had loads of onions in the soup. And I swear, I was like, it was like I was on psych- psychedelics. When I took, when I ate the soup, I was like seeing like glistens, like stars. My sister was kind of moving in and away. So I think if you like take time away from onions and then you go back in, that potentially there's something there. I don't think they're absolutely crazy. You get an onion high, basically. Listen, like I'm sure there are better ways to get high, but if if you only have onions in the house, I'd give it a bash, yeah. (laughs) Oh, James, thank you so much. I can hear your little support group in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Two of our 10 by 9 regulars at the Black Box. Vincent and Brandon. Thank you very much. James, thanks. That was great.